I'm going to just quickly fix the MailChimp thing, but does somebody want to start a topic while we're uh, while I'm doing that? Pressure's on. We could just sit and smile at each other. I have something. Okay. So when I do body scans, I've been getting a lot of PT. I posted about it on Reddit and it didn't get much response. But, uh, you know, I just would like to hear some about that. Or it feels like I try to stay relaxed, but muscles twitch and tense involuntarily. And it's very distracting. And I can't. You know, I'm trying to do a body scan and then go back and check if sensory clarity has increased, and I can't really tell that it it is that it does increase. Um, so, just any anything anybody would like to say about that, I'd love to hear it. So, uh, you describe PT, and it's. I mean, do you feel like it's a problem, or or just you know, you're curious um, about it. I, it feels good mostly, but mm -hmm. it's distracting. It's hard yeah. to stay focused on what I'm trying to do while that's going. So, I mean, when you say it's hard to do, do you mean you can't do it or do you mean that it's hard to do? Because, because if it's hard to do, so go ahead. Yeah, it's hard to do. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, that's, not entirely a bad thing, right? It's like, I mean, in a sense, you're turning up the difficulty dial a little bit, and so you've got something new to work with, and and it's probably a little bit of a feedback loop. Like, if you do a good job of staying on the on the breath, you may find that the the PT actually increases. That, to some extent, that feels right. And there have been times when I don't know what happens, but I magically get all the conditions just right, and it feels smooth and um, there's less twitching you know mm -hmm. it feels like things are flowing more with less interference mm -hmm. Sam was talking about that a couple of weeks ago um, he said something about how he noticed that it seemed like there was some kind of like resistance that was creating the the twitching or the you know the sort of rough PT mm. I had the thought this morning that maybe it's just blockages all over my body that I've accumulated over the years and they just have to get cleaned, cleared out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can comment a little on that. Um, so um, the PT is a good thing usually. Um, I've noticed there's, uh, I guess they're both PT, but there's, I've noticed two types of PT. One is from, um, I guess you could say, uh, over-efforting, and the other is from natural unification, and, um... I'm sorry, Sam, what was the first type you broke up? So, if you're really trying, like, super hard, and you're, like, bring it, it can bring up a lot of tension that can look like PT, uh, especially if there's, like, involuntary movements going on. Um, I don't, it doesn't sound like that really is the case for you, but... Um, that's something to look out for because um, I, I did some experiments one time where um, I had a ton of effort and 
they've caused a lot of um, involuntary movements and things. Hey, Sam. Your your audio is so bad that it's almost unintelligible. I think that it's probably because you're not using a headset or something, like you've got some kind of echo suppression going on. Maybe it's the room you're in. So I don't know if you can, maybe even like just turn in a different direction or something, you might get different echoes. Sorry. <laughs> it's just being kind of hard to understand. Sounded like kind of like Transformers or something, like one of the robots. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the problem with the voice box, I don't know. But totally. Kind of cool. Yeah, or what was that? Was it? I guess that was Transformers. That was a terrible movie. <laughs> Maybe Sam's hiding something from us. <laughs> What's that? Maybe Sam's hiding something from us. Maybe so, yeah. <laughs> so the, we have a theory that secretly you're a transformer <laughs> muted so, uh, so do I sound like a transformer still uh, no you sound yeah. better that's better but there's still something really funky going on I don't know what's going on there yeah I'm not sure maybe I should just uh, listen this time. Uh, I hate that though I like it when you talk yeah, I got a new computer, um, and I think maybe the audio setup is different somehow. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I wonder if it's, is it actually using the, the microphone that you just plugged in, or is it still using the... What might be? Uh, I think it's using the microphone I plugged in. If you go down, there's a little Chevron next to the mute button, and you can see which microphone it's using. Wow, it really does sound like there's a transformer in the background. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, there's a little check mark by speaker's headphones. So. What, which speaker is checked? Right, but what about select a microphone? Uh, it says microphone for that one. Just microphone, great. And then some real tech audio thing. Uh, the, the, I don't think your earbuds have a microphone on them, do they? Maybe not. I think so. Oh, okay. I think it's just using my computer, my computer's microphone and yeah. my earbuds. Yeah. You need the audio for everybody else. Yeah. Well, I guess we should either just accept that you're going to sound like a transformer for, for now or, or uh, you know. Well, can I ask a question? Uh, what I think you said, Sam, was that one kind of PT comes from too much effort and the other comes from is legitimate and should be allowed. Did I get that right? Yeah, I mean, that's the basic idea. And this it's just something I've noticed. Um, you can get a lot of PT-like things coming up if you try to force it. If you try yeah. to force your attention, yeah. and um, that's not really. I don't think that's it's kind of what happened when it first started last week. I was, I said to myself something like, "I want to feel body sensations, damn it!" And then that started, 
And then I tried to back off and say, okay, settle down. Let's just go back to how things were. But the feeling of flow keeps coming up and then I get involuntary muscle twitching. It's not, it doesn't feel like I'm making an effort, but anytime I do a body scan, I get that. So, well, um, yeah, no, it, uh, it seems like it's, it's progress that you're getting some of the flow, um, of the PT. And then from there, basically it's just kind of adapting to it and sitting with it, kind of r relaxing with it, even when it feel it can be kind of jarring sometimes. Um, but that's generally what I would, you know, recommend that what you do with it. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Oh, what do I know? Thanks, Gilbert. Yeah. Thanks. So, so like, in other words, rather than seeing it as a problem, like, like I'm doing something wrong, just like I'm doing something different and uh, there are some adjustments to make. Right. Need to relax. Yeah. Or, you know, feel your way through that. Yeah. By the way, I just realized that I actually won't be here next weekend. <laughs> so... <laughs> Andrea and I are going to be down in New York for uh, um, uh, the the ring cycle that they're doing at the Met, and so we're gonna we're gonna be on the road Saturday morning. But you guys should come anyway. May you have safe travels. Thank you. One one last thing, Tom is uh, Shinjin Young talks about as it as it it's like a massage, and then of course. Uh, initially or sometimes like the massage can be a little rough <laughs> a little too like kind of intense but like it's still a massage and over time it definitely does um smooth out but um i, I you know I, to me I, I like that metaphor because i mean me personally i don't i don't really like like the the two hands-on rough massages but i do recognize that that is a massage and, mm -hmm. so just like a, a way of framing and thinking about it I had actually heard him say that and forgotten it. So thank you for that reminder. I think that'll be a useful way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, PT comes up. I mean, it's usually a good thing when the, when the PT is coming up um, because it means your, your mind is unifying whatever you're doing. So as long as it's not like super, as long as you're not forcing things super intense wise, I'd say it's a good thing and uh, keep well, going along that, whatever you were doing for the PT to come up, as long as you're following the general instructions. Okay, so the second part of that was, I'm doing the body scan to try and increase conscious power, but when I go back to the breath at the nose, I can't tell that it's increased appreciably. Should I just keep doing that cycle over and over and trust that it will gradually grow? A um, couple thoughts. So look closer for the difference. Okay. Um, it's part of this is training introspective awareness, and you got, uh, like sometimes it can be subtle the difference um, in how clear and uh, vivid your perception is, and sometimes there won't be a difference at all, and that's okay. 
you can just go back to uh, trying to increase the thickness. But um, if it doesn't increase, that's not necessarily a sign that you're doing it wrong. Um, over time, over time, you it's like uh, you set intentions, and when an intention is new for you, um, it's not going to have much effect. But as your mind unifies, uh, the intentions have a more powerful effect because you're um, the more unification going on. So just uh, repeatedly doing the same intention make it more powerful each time you use it, each time you apply that intention, basically. That's, that's kind of what I've noticed. Okay, thank you. Tom. So, uh, does anybody else want to bring up a topic? Sure. Hey, Steve. Hey. Um, I've been working on mostly uh, circulating energy. So I've been uh, doing it, like I, I talked once before, I've been using the, the saunas pretty regularly, doing like about 20 minutes and then cool off at another 10. So I'll, I'll really focus on um, what they call it in Tai Chi, the microscopic or, or orbit. So it's moving the energy uh, on the exhale, basically moving the energy up and on the inhale, moving the energy down, diaphragmatic breathing. But um, so I'm also seeing physical therapists in uh, getting ready to probably uh, need another uh, back surgery reconstruction type. So I'm trying to increase the core muscles uh, at the same time. So really focusing on, on pulling in and at or activating the core muscles and, you know, where normally probably when I would be inhaling, I'd be just letting the stomach expand. So I'm doing more of holding that in and doing like a, you know, say like a bond in yoga a little bit, you know, holding the energy in that area too. So I've been doing that a lot and uh, it's been feeling really good uh, doing some of the uh, still point or, it's like a combination still point meditation and uh, uh, like it's a uh, the formless jhanas where you're uh, just sort of uh, feeling space for every thought you're using space as your as your labeling for everything that comes up so as everything uh, you know it gets a, a still point in my mind it's still somewhere around out here in the general area and then um, activating that, and then um, then as things appear in there, then I just uh, work on doing the space. And uh, I've also activated uh, the Watcher recently, and uh, except my Watcher is sort of like a caricature, uh, you know, like the uh, Matrix residual self-image, and he's like. He's really like off in a distance watching down, watching. So I'm seeing things instead of from, you know, from the frog's eye view, more to the bird's eye view of, of, of what's going on. And uh, he's just like more of a, you know, makes fun of everything I'm doing. It's like, so, you know, you think you're, you're so good and all this, you know, so he's like a uh, caricature of myself making fun of me a little bit, uh, rip fun of me when I take myself too seriously. So. 
That's uh, what I've been working on lately. Uh, Steve, I'm curious, how are you getting to how are you getting to that still point? How TMI describes, or do you have your own uh, method of getting to that perception? Uh, well, I start like I said, I start out circulating the energy and uh, focusing on the breath. So. And, and then as I'm feeling the chi, you know, circulate, then, uh, you know, that allows me to increase the focus in that uh, still point. Um, so it's, it brings, so as you're, when you're uh, doing the breath, the awareness is on the breath and, and the circulating of breath. So you're, you're engaged in that circulation. And then, so use that engagement of the awareness with the uh, attention on, on the still point. So you're basically in, in uh, like maybe called do nothing or open, open uh, uh, awareness, just, just viewing things as they are with the breath circulation and then focusing that with the intention and then uh, the two are together. And I'm using a technique I saw from um, uh, Michael from the uh, Deconstructing Yourself. He did a formless jhana. Uh, uh, show uh, from Sins and Young and uh, Channel. Been using that uh, where he's doing the formless jhanas, where he's taking, like I said, the uh, yourself when you're you're uh, going to every instance you're looking at and you're calling it space, space. You're labeling. So, as any thoughts, you know, even if it's sense feelings or if it's the mind wandering, then it's just space. So you're just you know, there's, you know, it's both ways. And sometimes that's, that's what I would get a little bit uncomfortable when I'm, when I'm looking at it both ways, when I'm seeing infinite space going out and infinite space going in. So sometimes I get feelings like the whole inside of me is like a little bit expanding. So, so it's like a little, like trying to struggling into the breathing room to get the, 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 uh, the feeling of that, infinite space because it's like pushing it both, you know, it's like you're expanding against uh, infinitely and you're contracting infinitely. So it's sort of like, it's like uh, nitrogen in my blood or something. So it seems like everything's expanding. So I don't know if that answers yeah. your question or not. No, that's really cool. Like uh, in the fifth jhana, there's like a sense of, uh, it's like infinitely expanding and it's not stopping. Like the borders of, um, my body would like start infinitely expanding um and there's just like left with this sense of expansion and that's like all there is basically um so that sounds pretty familiar it's, it, it's kind of like, it's a different way uh of doing it than uh like you know like Daniel ingram and lee brasington have ways of describing that uh, infinite space genre and it's not quite the same as, I guess, focusing on space like you described. I wonder if it's the same state that we're talking about. Or if, um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I would say more Dalek, uh, Dalek than, uh, you know, from Doctor Who, the Daleks. Well, I will destroy the Doctor, Sam. And the that's, that's all I'm hearing as you're talking, Sam. Sorry. But uh, what I think is that I, when I'm saying space, I'm using it in, you know, a loose metaphoric 
you know, aspect, you know. So, yeah, I mean, we, we you know, it's also going into the whole idea that, you know, the everything is a simulation, is, is the interpretation of the signals that are coming to us. So whether it's, uh, you know, the feeling of the breeze on my hand, that's the signals being interpreted by my brain, or if it's my uh, self-talk, that's, uh, you know, signals being interpreted by my brain, me thinking about having this conversation and, you know, saying that you look like, or sound like, not you don't look like, you sound like a, a Dalek, uh, you know, that's, that's simul- uh, uh, the same sort of thing, whereas it's, it's uh, my interpretation of this, or, but what it is, and then when I'm saying my interpretation, what is this, you know, that again, so it's like, it's an infinite regression so space is, you know, is not necessarily tied to the dimensions, as you're saying. It's, it's, there's an infinite regression. It's uh, turtles on top of turtles all the way down. So I have one question for you, Steve, which I, please don't take this as a criticism because it's not intended that way, but just an observation that you were talking about uh, having the observer kind of, kind of laughing at that your uh, sort of self-importance or something like that. And um, it's, that's an interesting dynamic. And I wonder like if there's an opportunity for unification in there, like um, that uh, possibly, uh, you know, neither one of those views is actually accurate. And they're both, they're both, um, just like mirror views of each other and that it might be possible to like get dig into that a little bit and see if see if that dissonance doesn't have to be there um you know i um i agree that's exactly what i was doing i was doing it more like i was thinking of entangled pairs so (laughs) even if uh you know my uh, watcher is at the end other end of the space you know metaphoric or or you know physical it's uh still you know entangled with me because that's just the way things are they stay you know they stay entangled so you know those are i don't say that there's a uh you know distance between the two they're just different you know different aspects you know it's like if you look at your your hand just see one thing you look at a foot you you have this uh impression of something else but uh mm-hmm. But yes, I agree uh, completely. Cool. Ken, I'm really enjoying all of the very weird perspectives that your camera is producing. <laughs> like, like you know, basically you look like sort of a reverse headless way guy. Like your, your head is really far away and your body is like really big. Uh, so, um, which is fine. You don't need to adjust. I just, it was kind of fun to watch. Um, so, uh, does anybody else want to, to dive in? Kevin, Edel, I, you guys have probably been having an adventurous time. Yes. Thank you. Hello, everyone. We are happy to be with you as always. Yay. Um, I don't know if we're allowed 
say that we're on the finders course or but um, definitely enjoying it and uh, very excited loving the um, the exercises in the sessions it's really everyone should be required love it <laughs> wait till you get to the later stuff okay <laughs> we'll see how you feel we'll in three five weeks <laughs> right don't don't talk about the later stuff here because there'll be people here who might want to take the course and we don't want to spoiler them on it but okay. the stuff you're working on right now is basically just uh, uh, Goenka style uh, Vipassana meditation. So I think it's it's pretty appropriate to discuss here if you have anything. Uh, if you don't, that's fine too. I just thought I'd mention that. No, it's really good. It's good. really good. I really enjoy good, it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of positive psychology exercises, which nothing that I haven't heard before, mm -hmm. but never really took the time to do. And it's yep. great to be kind of forced to do them or, you know, yeah agree to do them you know it's kind of like these are good exercises that everyone should do and i should continue to do so yeah. i'm really enjoying doing them and it's like yeah i can see how they're how beneficial they'll they're going to be good well you guys enjoy uh so uh does anybody want to talk about any like you know meditation issues that they're having with their uh like has anybody got a stage three stage four question sure i'll jump in because i'm having right. issues this week um i've been getting up early from most of my meditation sessions because i just have been getting uh frustrated um and kind of getting this thinking like well this isn't working i'm just getting stuck in like negative loops of worrying about things and it made me kind of think of the, the hindrances um, of worry. And I was wondering, you know, how does it, if, if, if it's a hindrance to have worry and then you can't meditate, then how do you, how do you break out of that loop, I guess? Or, um, or what is, what is things that we can control that we should worry about? And what are things that we can't control and shouldn't worry about, I guess, is, is kind of where, where I'm struggling a little bit. Because I'm thinking, oh, you're just worrying for worrying sake or worrying because, oh, you need to make big decisions in the future or, or whatever. So that's, I don't know if it's uh, what's affecting what, the meditation or life. or It's probably uh, a combination of both, right? Because your, your worries are, are uh, you know, when you meditate, that creates a, a silence in which stuff comes up. And if you have worries that are in the background, then they'll come up in that silence. So, uh, so it's not surprising that that's happening. I noticed Gilbert unmuted. So it sounds like you've got something you're eager to say. Let, let me let you say what you want to say. <laughs> um, one, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that completely, Ted. Um, the one thing I really wanted to say, uh, Michael, is um, it's not helpful and so i would say like when you use strong language it like never tell yourself that you shouldn't feel something right i shouldn't feel anxious um so that's one thing and then the other thing i was you know because because I, I was trying to wonder like okay what's what's the question but i mean what i am hearing is definitely some trouble sleeping and maybe some 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 worry and stuff going on but I mean, some of that just happens too with like challenging stuff either come up in your practice, challenging stuff in your life, and like it's perfectly normal. 
normative. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I, so I went through that a lot when I was kind of in stage three, stage four territory. I don't know if it was a coincidence or not. I mean, there was a lot of stuff happening in my life at that time that was creating worry. Um, but, uh, what, um, what I found were a couple of things. One is, yeah, it definitely, you know, I would sit in meditation and I would have these massive like attacks of like, you know, problem solving would just like, you know, that would be my big distraction for the whole meditation. And I would be struggling with it. Like it wouldn't be something that I could easily just put down and move back to the breath. Um, so either, either I would get completely distracted by it and the breath would just go into the background for the whole sit or, um, or I would engage in this struggling. I used to feel like I was kind of chasing something, you know, or being chased by something for the whole meditation. Like, like, you know, I want to go back to the breath. I want to go back to the breath, but I kept going back to the, to the thing. And so, um, what I think like that didn't persist, right? And the, the problem didn't go away. What I think happened was that actually doing the meditation as I was doing it, doing the practices, I was doing it, trying to remain mindful, even though I was, really kind of failing, um, over time shifted my meditation and I got better at returning to the object and not being pulled into the distraction and being able to objectify the distraction. That helped me to get enough distance and perspective that I was able to, uh, to relate to the worry, not as me, but as the worry and also as a process and not as a, as a fact. Do you see what I mean? Um, so in other words, worry isn't, worry isn't the fact that there's something that you need to deal with because you just decided to sit and you're sitting and you've, you, you, you've already come to the conclusion that you really do have a half an hour or an hour to spend sitting right now. And so the thing that you're worried about, the fact that you're worried about it is not a problem, right? That's something you could just put on the shelf if it was just a fact. Um, you could just put it on a shelf and do your meditation and it wouldn't distract you. The reason it's distracting you is because it's not just a fact, it's a process. It's something that's going on all the time in your mind. And so part of what's going on as you, as you, as you progress through stage three and four on this is just uh, recognizing that this thing is happening in your mind and then getting a little analytical about it, like what is happening, how is it happening, and starting to pick that apart. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can't say exactly how that will progress for you. And, and if you've got something that's, a, that's like a really big thing in your life that, that's unresolved, then, you know, it's probably not going to be uh, quick to, to get to the point where you develop the ability to, to sort of objectify it and, and not have it be a thing that you have to be thinking about. But um, this is this is part of the insight process. Honestly, it's actually it's really good territory to be in. It's not a bad thing that you're that you're wrestling with this. Um, when you find yourself being kept up at night, uh, then uh, you may find that you're able to use, it, or you should, you you might want to try using uh, intention setting as a way to 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 get to sleep. Um, by which I mean, uh, you know, noticing what intentions are arising and seeing if those are really the intentions that you want to have. And if they're not, then actually like, like using that process to shift your intentions more towards now is a time to sleep. I don't need to think about this right now. Now is just a time to sleep. 
Um, and to some extent, you can just use sort of rational analysis to do that, like, like reason your way to the point where you're like, oh yeah, I really don't need to be thinking about this right now. This is an issue, it's a persistent issue, but I don't have to think about it while I'm sleeping. And then, and then just like, take your body as, a, as an object, uh, not in a, you know, like body scanning way, but more to find the warmth and comfort and, and uh, like even, even just like get in touch with the animal breathing, like, like imagine that you're like your cat or your dog or whatever, and you're just breathing and, and your heart is beating and just like get in touch with that and then sink into that. And you may find that that helps you to go to sleep. Um, you may also just find that you have to endure some sleeplessness for a while until you get a grip on this. You can't force worries to go away. I mean, it's the thing that's triggering the worry is, is a real thing. Uh, what you want to do is see if you can unpack the process to the point where it doesn't unfold the way that it's unfolding right now. Um, another thing you might look into is the mindful review practice. Um, that might be a thing to do before you go to bed. Um, so, uh, I, I would suggest if it makes sense to you to play with some of that and, and come back next week and tell us what happened. Thanks. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had too much trouble sleeping lately. Um, but okay. I have been doing the mindfulness review for, I don't know, eight months or so in the, usually in the morning. So yeah, I've already put that into a habit. What, so I know we talked about this a few times is getting up early from a set. If I set, I try to do one hour. So if I set the intention to do one hour and I know we've talked previously and, and you said you don't get up from a sit unless the house is on fire. So you don't get up early. And so I have that in mind. And for a while it was kind of helping me to stay the whole time, but now I don't know where it's coming from, where I've gotten the, I don't know if I, maybe I just built up momentum where, Oh, I, I got up eight minutes early on Monday and then Tuesday it was easier to leave early 16 minutes. And then, and then eventually I was just, just, just doing 20 minutes where I get frustrated and I was like, well, and, whatever. So I was wondering. And, that, and that's why you don't get up early unless the house is on fire. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems like you already understand perfectly actually. Yeah. I, I understand it rationally, but when I'm, I don't know what's going on when I'm there and it's just, uh, yeah, you like, just, is, sit, just stay, just stay. And, and then there's a fight going on and then, and then I've been losing. Can I, yeah. Can I ask about this one? Cause I went through this a few months ago. Um, so like, what's it like? What can you say about your um, inner experience? What do you, what do you notice when you're sitting there on the cushion? Do, what do you, what's it happening? Um, I get kind of stuck into a, like a, either a worry loop or a negative loop where I'm not getting back into, I'm going to a mind wandering territory and thinking about that stuff. And once in a while I might return back to the breath and have that the aha moment to, to recognize that. And I think if it's very strong and it's going on for a while, maybe in the early part or middle of the sit, I start to get very kind of doubtful, like this is useless, meditation's useless, yeah. this is not working. Okay, I'm done. And then, I just, you know, for, I'll do yeah. it next time, tomorrow. Have you, um, I guess a couple of things that helped me here that may or may not be helpful here. 
Um, sometimes I found I was able to kind of make, you know, that actual like wanting to get up and that worry and that fight. Like I was able to kind of go out a level and make that the object of the meditation. So like I wasn't trying to meditate on the breath anymore. I was just watching the desire to get up as a process. And that sort of um, made it a little bit more neutral in some ways. Like it made it a little bit less, a little bit more impersonal to kind of observe it as a mental process rather than something I was emotionally experiencing. So that shift was useful for me. A second thing that was also useful, and um, I find this is just a good, it's almost like a word um, that was useful both in this and like other difficulties in practice, especially like in physical pain, um, is just the word surrender. Like to say, I'm surrendering to this. Like I'm not trying to overcome it. I'm just letting it come through me. So like mentally I'm surrendering to it, except I'm not getting up. Um, <laughs> You know, so um, I don't know if either of those would help and other people have other suggestions, but those were some things that really worked to get me through a very similar difficulty. Um, I guess also if you really, I mean, you said you think maybe meditation isn't working. So that also might be a good place for like the mindful review to see if meditation is helping you in your life. I mean, it's also possible meditation isn't really working and maybe you shouldn't be meditating, but like, I don't, you know, but if, if you're here and you want to keep doing it, then probably you actually do believe it's working. So it's interesting to examine why you think it's working and to use that to as an antidote to its thoughts that it's not working. Yeah, the, the, no, I haven't tried those, those things that you mentioned. So that's, I think that would be great to try those. This is what I kind of the tips I was, I was hoping to, to try, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I do think meditation is working when I'm off the cushion, when I'm on the cushion, I, the doubt kind of can seep in sometimes if it's, if I feel, like yeah. I had expectations, maybe, maybe I, I don't know if I have expectations sometimes and it just, yeah, my, um, my teacher told me that, you know, if it's working off the cushion, that's kind of the whole point. Like actually if it's working off the cushion, it's definitely working, right? It's like, like the whole point isn't to experience fancy meditation states while you're sitting on the cushion. The whole point is to improve your life. And if it's improving your life, there's no possible way to say it's not working. One, one other thing you might, try doing, I don't know if this will work for you, is just like ask yourself the question when you're thinking of, you know, getting up off the cushion, what has changed since I decided to sit for an hour? You know, because I think you know what the answer is. Um, and, and the other thing is like, um, you know, there's this feeling that, that that you know, when there's some problem that exists that, that you can't actually do anything about um, right now, uh, there's still a feeling of reward when you do something, even though what you're doing is useless. Um, and it can be worth picking, picking into that a little bit and seeing that. Um, because you know, it, it can be a habit to like just do something useless because you feel like you should be doing something. And, uh, and that can be really counterproductive. To me, it, it definitely sounds like you're, you're very much in the territory of purification where, yeah, yeah stuff's getting triggered, right, for you. Um, you know, the, these loops that, you, that are stored deep in your mind and, um, you know, are getting activated. And with that, it's important to realize that to not take, you know, the fact that like something get, gets activated does not mean like you did something wrong or you, you know, you're doing the meditation wrong or, or even approaching like an all or nothing type thing. 
actually so much of the practice is just kind of sitting with this stuff and, and just and and not running away holding your ground um and doing it in a way that's uh not like in an extreme way right not don't don't be too extreme about anything but but you are just like holding your ground and like just the fact that your your butt's on the cushion or however you're 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 sitting um like that's a win um and then the more that as you're doing that if your attitude is something that's you know at least trying to be more uh, gentle and forgiving, it's not going to be perfect, right? Don't 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 try to have this perfect attitude or anything like that. But just you're working on it, and just to see like, okay, I'm I'm working on it. This is a practice, and this is very much part of the practice. And don't be like, okay, I I'm feeling because I'm not like focusing on the sensations of the breath. Actually, right, you know you focus on the sensation of the breath in some ways kind of just to bring up the stuff that just distracts you and then just working with the process, the fact that, Oh, wow. Like this, all this stuff's kind of um, distracting me and everything like that. And the reason why I'm saying like to focus on the, the, the process, because it is there, there are places in the practice where, um, you know, you kind of have to realize or direct yourself to realizing that, resistance even if it's kind of like unconscious resistance like is one of the strongest ways to um, keep a, a, an unhelpful pattern going because part of this unhelpful pattern you know like whatever's triggering that worry it's a part of you that's trying to help yourself right it's like it's like sending it's like uh, triggering the alarm like oh worry about this worry about this like because bad things may happen if you don't right and so it's it's a part of you that's trying to help you but if you take the attitude like oh just just shut up little voice and like you're you know really aggressive just just shut up just shut up like you're only like and you might temporarily sort of you know kind of shut it up but like you'll you'll lay the seeds for you know an even bigger eruption later yep. right so that's why this whole you know don't be too uh you know don't be too focused like on, oh yeah, distraction, go away, distraction, um, because you don't want to put too much energy on that resistance part, right? If you ignore when you can ignore, like just put it aside, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm focusing on the, the breath right now, right? Just set it aside, set it aside. But when something keeps coming up, particularly if it's like the same basic thing, like same, it's basically you're just worrying, worrying, worrying. It's like, oh, okay, so, you know, a part of me keeps on bringing the same type of distraction. So I think, you know, shift your attention on to the distraction. Like if you cannot ignore it anymore, then it's like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, pay attention to the distraction. But of course, observe it objectively. Try not to get sucked into it. Like just try to observe it like a third party or objectively um, and just sit with it. Right. And then just seeing kind of what, plays out and the more you can see like oh wow like there's that pattern it's just worrying 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 is this helpful right like and that that kind of happens in the background um but as you're doing it, you're just sort of sitting with it and that's the whole process of purification that things kind of start can get worked out um the more that you're able to see those processes happen in real time and it's not always it's most of it's not like intellectual cognitive seeing it's just like you know you're, you're present with it and then the learning happens, this, this auto learning, um, just being present, experiential learning.
Mike, you've, you've heard my lecture about uh, comforting the, the inner toddler, right? I, I believe I've heard that, but feel free to remind yeah, me. I mean, it's basically, it's just recapitulating what Gilbert, Gilbert just said, but with a slightly different twist, which is, you know, like, like the thing, the struggle, the thing that's, that's like going like, me, 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 like, do something, do something, do something, is like your inner toddler. It's just like a little kid that's inside of you. And it really is like, like we have like all the programming that we, were, we had when we were toddlers is still there. Right. It's, it's not like it goes away. We just put more layers on top of it. So your inner toddler is still there. And part of what's going on when you're sitting is actually your inner toddler is just like, I want to get up and do something. And so uh, or, or I'm worried about this and I want to do something. I want to do something physical. You know, I want to move. And um, and so just just uh, recognizing that and uh, kind of comforting and, and giving that part of you love when it comes up can be really powerful. Um, it. it, it because, you know, that part of you is feeling unheard, unloved, and it needs to feel heard and loved. So that's the inner toddler lecture. And what would you, what, what, what way would you give it love? Well, so I basically just like, uh, I, I turn my attention to it and I generate a feeling of love. And, and I might even say to myself, it's okay. You know, it's okay. You know, I hear you, that kind of thing. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty similar to what uh, it wants to, the inner toddler for me. It wants to get up and get out, move around and leave. That, that yeah. sounds very familiar. Yeah. Have you done meta practice, Michael? Yeah, I, I, I've been doing it for three weeks or actually four weeks or so. But this week has been like, a, I usually do a guided um, meta for the first 15 to 30 minutes of a one hour sit. So, but this week has been uh, not even paying attention to the guided part. It's been this, these, that's, I think that's maybe why it, one of the reasons that it's been difficult all of a sudden uh, where it was kind of fixed a little bit in the past is now it's like, Oh, well I'm doing guided and I can't even pay attention to the guided because of my own mind wandering. So I think that's kind of frustrating me a little bit more than, than previously. What prompted me to ask that is I've had some uh, benefit from doing meta on parts of myself, you know, sending meta to my subminds. And I think what Ted was talking about, you could send meta to your inner toddler. I think that would be great. Yep. I'm going to try that. Cool. By the way, uh, welcome, Colleen. I don't know if I've seen you on here before. You're you're muted, Colleen. You're muted. Oh. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, I've been meaning to get started with the group, and um, finally made it today. And I'm currently in teacher training. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, and I think this is a great group, and I really appreciate you doing it. And I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of questions about my ranking. So. <laughs> okay. Well, you're welcome to ask. It's basically very informal, so so I just kind of put it out there, and people people say things, and and we try to figure them out. It's just so helpful to have a, a space like this where you can, you know, bring bring up your personal um, experiences. Yep. And hello, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Colleen. Welcome. I just got here mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago.
ago. So okay, I'm great. happy to see. Yeah, we've, some of the faces you're seeing here are, uh, show up pretty much every week, and some some uh, show up less frequently. But uh, but you know, sometimes. Yeah, I expected more women. I don't know why. But. I I don't know what's going on with that. It's like it's like. <laughs> You know, there are a couple of women who show up. Caroline shows up sometimes, and Carrie shows up sometimes. But um, but it does there is like a very male thing going on with this group, and I'm not sure why that is. But you know, I, I'm glad that I'm glad that at least you were brave enough to show up. So <laughs> no, thanks. Thanks for doing this. Sure. Yeah. So uh, who's next? Ken, are you? How are you doing? Hey there, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry, all the weird camera angles are because I took my food sector on my usual laptop, so I have to do this by cell phone today. Um, yeah, um, practice is cool, kind of interesting. Um, I guess it a month ago or so, I was in a state where I was sitting for like two or three hours every day, and it seemed like things were really moving and really peaceful and stuff. And then I don't know what happened, but I just kind of lost a lot of desire to sit. Just like overnight, I, I don't know what it was, and I actually went off my 250 something day insights streak and, and uh, not that I'm bummed about it it's just kind of a, an unusual thing and then I was only sitting for like I don't know 10 minutes a day or something and then last week sort of it came back um, and it's yeah like it's, it's weird whatever it is that the mind is doing but it seems like things are slightly different like I kind of get to this point where it feels like there's still all these thoughts going on like I still have all the thoughts that I usually always have but it's like the other half of my mind is like shut down it just feels like it's like almost impossible to move almost impossible to go anywhere it just feels and sitting feels like like even more effortless than it had previously, if that's even possible. Like it almost feels like I don't even want to move my head or adjust my head. It's like my whole body just kind of freezes in this one position. But I, I still have this kind of inner thought narrative that kind of keeps wanting to take up and take over. But I was, somebody linked some, uh, Chuladasa Patreon threads on Reddit last week, and I started watching those talking. One of the things he was talking, this was an old thread where he was actually talking to Adrian um, and saying that one of the key things is sort of experientially to see the difference between attention, awareness, and stuff going on. And it really feels like sometimes, but not always, that I can really kind of tune into this feeling where I'm just aware of everything and it just feels like a sharper sense of awareness and sharper you know and I can see the thoughts and they're just 
happening, but like just by being able to sort of step back and be aware, like it's all good and they don't take over anything. But then, you know, that'll last for like a minute or so and then I'll still fall back into the usual, you know, nonsense bullshit. So it's like things are improving, but there's still this, I don't know, this, the same problem that I've always had of, you know, the, you know, the gross distractions building up and then out of nowhere coming in. So I don't know, it, it feels like maybe I am making some kind of progress and I don't know, maybe I'm just deleting myself that I have more tools and new outlets and stuff. Anyways, it's, it's been kind of interesting. So, um, uh, by the way, your, your, your audio is very soft, so you might want to speak up a little bit, but I did hear you. So, um, uh, one of the things that I would wonder about is whether, um, one thing that can happen to people when they're doing, uh, practices and they get to, to the point where, where, uh, something is about to, to open up is that it can feel like today's not the day to meditate. <laughs> and uh, Chula Dasa talks about this a bit. And so, uh, so you may have done one of those. Um, and so, so I would say just as a, as a you know, for future reference, because obviously it's already happened, you can't do anything about it, and, and I'm sure it'll come, come by again. Um, if, you're, if you're kind of back in the groove, then if you find yourself uh, really not wanting to meditate some morning, meditate. Like, like, see if you can just like decide that you're going to ignore that, that feeling, because uh, it may be that the feeling is coming from a place of like being aware that there's something that you're, that's ready to open up. And there's still, there's a little resistance to letting it open up. Um, I wouldn't necessarily always advise this because sometimes the resistance is a good thing, but I think in your case, you know, given, given the path, the journey that you've been on and the various experiences that you've been having, I think that you're probably more than ready to, to, to be there for whatever comes out. So something to think about. I mean, if you, if you go back into what you were doing, you'll probably wind up getting to that place again. And, and if you do, then, then, uh, then you, you might want to take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I can totally buy that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then as far as the other stuff goes, I mean, one thing to ask yourself is like, um, do you actually have a problem with the way your meditations are going? Or are you just puzzled by it? Because if you don't really have a problem with it, that's probably why it's not changing. And, and that's not necessarily even a bad thing. Right. I mean, it doesn't sound like you're having bad meditations. Um, no, it's yeah. And I mean, I don't feel like it's a problem in the sense that it doesn't generate negative emotions or anything in me. Mm -hmm. It's just that my understanding of the process is that, you know, by reading you know, the TMI manual and so on. Yeah. The expectation of the process is to reduce the distractions and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. The thing is, so you've been down some paths that aren't really part of the TMI uh, 
standard method. Like when you were doing that thing where you were following sounds, that's not really a TMI thing. That's more of a noting thing. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if you've had some, some, um, some, some insight that, uh, that came through that process that's actually shifted things for you. And that's part of what's going on. I mean, have you noticed, um, any changes in your, um, in your reactivity over the last couple of years, like like your your tendency to get annoyed by things or or uh, stressed out by things. Oh yeah, no, uh, I can one hundred percent relate to the discussion you were having earlier about you know your life improving off the fishing. It's the real mm -hmm. measure. I think that was somebody else was saying. You know that's. That's when you know it's doing something. That's yeah. Progress. And yeah, I mean, I certainly um, have noticed the background level of, you know, in relationships, holding on to grudges or getting upset about, you know, whether it's traffic or, you know, stuff people say or whatever. And, you know, yeah, there are times when things happen and I can just kind of go to this place where I just kind of say, you know, well, who is it that's getting upset? Well, you know, it's just thoughts and neurons firing, so if I get worked up over it. Yeah. So, so the reason I bring that up is because I kind of suspect, based on what you're describing, and what you're describing actually kind of mirrors some stuff that happened for me over the course of the Finders course, which is that before the Finders course, my experience was mostly uh, attention and awareness was kind of a thing that I had to kind of make happen. And after, after I had my transition in the finders course, um, my experience was mostly awareness and I actually had to go hunting for attention. And, um, and that sounds a lot like what you're describing. So, uh, and, and, you know, some of the other things you're describing sound like they're very similar, uh, to things that I've experienced. So, um, so it may be that right now, I mean, and, and, and I have the same problem that you do, right? Like, like trying to make my meditation do what I want it to do is it just does what it's going to do, <laughs> but, uh, but it seems fruitful. And so that, that's not to say that you can't eventually move it in the direction that you like imagine you want it to move or get it back onto the TMI continuum or something like that. Because I know other people uh, like Tom, um, uh, what's his name? Tom, he's an Australian guy. Uh, he was in my, my uh, TMI teacher training group. Um, Tom had a very similar experience and he wound up getting back on the TMI path uh, by basically going all the way back from stage one and just starting over from scratch. And he found that very effective. So if you really wanted to, if, if it, like if it's really important to you to get back on the TMI path, then that would be something to explore. Um, but if, if your meditations are basically being fruitful and you find that you're like accessing things and releasing them, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, like, like, you know, if you have sort of, sort of like a lot of, you, you sit down and you're, you're, you're sitting there for three hours and, and you, you, you go through a lot of stuff and like, like a whole bunch of things happen and you actually work with them and you're able to release things. That's actually one of the things you should be doing at this point. It's not a bad thing to be doing. So you have to, you have to figure out whether you, whether what you want is more insight or whether what you want is more, uh, sort of, sort of, um, uh, deprogramming or, or, or adjusting of, of your inner psyche. Um, 
because you're probably doing that right now. You're probably, you probably are doing a process of adjusting your inner psyche and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely notice a lot of that stuff going on. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's, it's, it's not so much a problem. It, and, and I'm almost wondering if this whole thing about let it come, let it be and let it go is that, you know, it, doesn't really matter what I do in my sense and you know it's just it's it's all good as long as I can sort of maintain that awareness level of it yeah you know the let it come let it be let it go is really just another way of looking at don't do anything don't do nothing maybe that's over intellectualizing or maybe I'm just Bullshit myself. Yeah, I mean, I guess what what I'm sort of pointing to is like until you until you decide that that it's really important to you that, that you must get back on the TMI path, um, it's probably not going to happen, and it's probably okay. But you know, because like the whole point of doing this stuff is to get insight, right? It's not to become an awesome meditator. I mean, it's great if you become an awesome meditator. It's great if it makes you more able to do things in life or whatever. But, 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 you know, ultimately it's about like, like getting the insights that free you from suffering. And, you know, if you have, if you have some kind of insight experience that frees you from a certain kind of suffering, which it sort of sounds like has happened for you, then, um, you, you kind of you need to get to the point where where that's no longer working for you before you're motivated again to 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 dig deeper, and and that probably will happen, right? Like, you know, certainly I've had experiences post finder's course where um, I was like, wow, this thing that I'm doing is really broken in this very subtle way, and I need to work on this, and then I dig into that, but you know, it doesn't it that's not always what you want to be doing. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, makes sense. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Somebody else want to bring something up? Yeah, hello. I think I. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. You go, you go, you go, <laughs> you go, you go ahead. I think I have my hand raised so I can go afterwards, but you go first. Okay, let's let Chris Goss, Chris Goss go, yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to say hello. Uh, it's my first first time being here. Uh, I, I subscribed for it like a half a year ago already, but I never got uh, got around to to actually participate. Um, yeah, what should I what should I tell you? Um, I'm um, yeah, I'm from Europe, uh, Luxembourg to be precise, which is like a teeny weeny country. Yep, been there. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Concerning my practice, I, I've been, I don't know, I, I've been kind of, I wouldn't necessarily call it, yeah, well, yeah, in some way I've been stuck uh, in, in stage six territory for some months now. Um, uh, to be precise, like at uh, entering or um, being with the whole body breath. So I, I, I feel like I'm having uh, problems to yeah to 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 really to really nail it you know so to 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 bring it up to such an intensity such that there's no more room for 
uh, yeah, for subtle distraction to enter my attention. Um, yeah, and that's like, yeah, that's, that's the problem I, I've been facing in, in the last few months, to be precise. And I'm, I'm, I'm stuck between like exerting more effort with the, uh, the risk of, uh, yeah, of, uh, yeah, I don't know, of, of, of frustration, of, of, of putting too much, too much uh, expectation, etc., into it. And letting too loose, so I slip into 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 subtle dullness again, for example. So that's a bit the the, the, the yeah the the situa situation I'm finding myself in. I'm not really sure how I should yeah how I should approach this this territory. So are you doing the the meditation on the elements part of the body scan or the the breathing with the body? Yeah, I've, I've, I'm doing that. Like it's, it's, it's. I'm not doing it necessarily consciously anymore, but I, I've done that during stage five, like to look for for hot and cold, for firm and soft, etc. Mm -hmm. um, and that's yeah. That, that I think my my subconscious is taking care of that. I, I always start a session with with the with stage five practice, where I really try to get everything in, like mm -hmm. not just the the, the the prana, but also all the other sensations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I also feel that my that I'm mostly as as uh, as free from sub, uh, subtle dullness as I as I can be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but it's it's still difficult for me to to, to slip into this uh, whole body flow. <laughs> afterwards somehow mm -hmm. so um you say that you're that you're having trouble uh completely ignoring subtle distractions um and uh, just to just to be sure that 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 that's what's actually happening so so uh it's not that that stuff is happening in awareness and you're perceiving it and you see that as a distraction but rather that stuff is happening in awareness and you perceive it catching attention, and it's a distraction. Is that what that's true? I, I, the, the distinction I'm making here is that as as soon as I start, um, I start noticing the, the content of a thought, and not just just a, a background, some background noise. Mm -hmm. I, I see it as 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 it got caught by it caught attention. Mm. So yeah, that's that for me. Like, as as soon as I start understanding my thoughts, like as I start the blabbering, as I start um, understanding the content of the blabbering that's going on in the background, I see it as my my attention having getting getting caught by it. I don't know if that's if that's the right way to look at it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean that 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 sounds okay to me. Um, have you tried varying how much uh, work you do, like how 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 much effort you do? I've tried it. Yeah, I've tried to to more like uh, I don't know to to relax into it if you want to call mm -hmm. it like that. To 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 really really emphasize looking for the joy all the time and not not going so much for for the effort. 
part of it. Um, and I, 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 I feel that it, that helped already. Like I've gotten deeper, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm, it's, it's still, it's, it's impossible for me to, to some, like Kuradaza writes in the book that you, that, that you, you, you should be able to sustain it for, for 15 minutes before going to, to, the, to the next channel, for example. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the thing that I, I cannot, under any, any circumstance, envision right now to, to be able to do because it's, yeah, it still takes too much effort in some way to 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 to, to get there and to sustain it. Mm. Sustaining so, it especially takes a lot of effort. So, uh, one thing that you said there that that uh, that struck me was that you said that you you uh, the the you kind of suggested the opposite of effort was relaxing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It might be worth investigating whether that's actually the opposite of effort or whether that's uh, a different kind of effort. Um, in other words, to me, relaxing would be deciding to do something differently. Whereas, um, uh, what I mean by reducing effort is more uh, that, that the level of intensity that you want to have is exactly the same. You're not reducing the level of intensity that you intend to have. Uh, but what you're doing is you're, you're putting less effort into maintaining that, that intention. Um, and the, the, the reason I say that is because there's a tendency, if you decide to relax, there's a tendency to actually do something instead of, instead of just doing less. And this has just been my experience in meditation. If I think of what I want to do next as relaxing, then that actually tends to bring me back towards subtle dullness and even gross dullness. Um, rather than it's um, it's not so much that like for me it's like a, it's like the opposite of striving mm -hmm. I tried maybe it's also because I'm not a native English speaker but I sure. use it as I use it as as the opposite of, of having this striving attitude like I also I also tried already to to to, to um, take take an approach that you su suggested on the on the TMI subreddit like the intent release evaluate right mm -hmm. uh, cycle and I feel like that has helped me already because like be before that I was like, I was firing intentions at, at like all the time, like intended, I intended for a few times a second to, to do those things. And I really think that that got me into, into this striving yeah. mindset, which really didn't help because mm -hmm. yeah, because I was, yeah, I was clinging too much to it. Like I, I there was too much uh, expectation to get there and to stay there, etc. And I, and I yeah. feel like this, this, yeah, this more balanced approach of doing it, letting it be and evaluating if, if where I'm at um, mm -hmm. has, has helped me already. But okay. uh, yeah, at the same time, I, I, I still feel that there's, there, there are things which I could still improve on. Yeah. Um... I mean, have you tried just, just doing stage seven practice and seeing what happens? No, I haven't actually. No, no, no. I haven't done that yet. That would be something to try. Not so much because it's necessarily the right thing to be doing, but just because it, it will give you some more information. Uh, okay. uh, the other thing that, that you might try doing, are you familiar with Shinton Young's do nothing practice? Uh, I've, I've, uh, yeah, you dropped the intention. I, I've watched a video already. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. 
There was also, sorry, there was also a video by um, um, another teacher. Uh, I think his name was Eric or something. He, mm -hmm. he, he, it was, it was posted like a week ago on the TMI subreddit. He um, posted a method where, like it was, all, it was a recorded talk he had with students of him, where he, um, he used Shinzan's um, focus on rest technique to enter the jhanas, actually. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But um, how, how would you... So, sorry, sorry that I interrupted you. Just... No worries. <laughs> but yeah. How, how... Uh, yeah. So the reason I mentioned the do-nothing practice is because, um, you know, when you're feeling stuck, it can be helpful to just change something because, because in changing it, not that you want to abandon what you've been doing, but but if you if you go do something that's radically different and see what happens, then that may give you some insight into what you could change about what you're doing in your stage six practice. So so if you do the do nothing practice, um, and the the way that the way that I've heard it described is basically that you just sit there and watch. Uh, intentions arise, and whenever an intention arises, you just release it. And you just keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that. Um, you may find that that gives you a little bit of an insight into how to tweak your stage six practice so that you, so that you actually get fully into the groove. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, so that subtle distractions uh, completely drop. Uh, because, you know, what's, what's probably missing in your stage six practice is just sort of an automatic response to the, to the subtle distraction um, or really to, to the, to the stimulus and awareness. Um, and if you're not succeeding in developing that automatic response one way, then, then taking a different approach may help. Uh, and so the advantage of the do nothing practice is that you can get really good at noticing intentions come up and what's going on with when, when you have subtle distractions, each of those subtle distractions is a sub mind proposing an intention to the conscious mind and the conscious mind will either take it up or let it go. And so what you want in stage six is for the conscious mind to let it go and continue doing the, the, the body, the breathing with the body practice. And so it may help if you do the do nothing practice for a while, you may be able to develop a more fine grained appreciation of, of, of each of those impulses coming up, um, mm. particularly because of where you are in your practice right now in TMI you're at a place where, where you're, you probably have the ability to see that stuff more clearly than you. Like if I, if I told you to do, do, do nothing practice when you were still at stage two, it probably wouldn't help, but now mm -hmm. it might. So, so I would give that a try and also, also just try going to stage seven and see what happens. Okay. Um, and you know, it's not that either one of those will necessarily solve the problem. They'll just give you more information. Okay. Okay. Thanks for the feedback. Uh, sure. I'll try it out. <laughs> Griff, you wanted to say something. Yeah, this might be not so much a tips question, although it could lead to tips, but almost maybe more of a theory question or an ideas question. Mm -hmm. So this came up a little bit uh, just now when we were talking about submines, and I guess it came up uh, earlier, which is why I raised my hand, when we were talking about like, you know, there's sort of like a toddler inside you and kind of giving love to that toddler. and. I guess I'm really curious to think about like how much we should or shouldn't reify those parts or cause like 
there isn't really a toddler inside me. Like in some sense, like there's only one brain in here. And yet there also is some sense in which there really is a toddler inside me in which it's, it's correct. And so I find I switch between a lot of different metaphors and a lot of different ways of thinking about this. And I was just curious to get other people's opinion or think about like how we think about this. Like, is it possible to take it too seriously? Is it possible to not take it seriously enough? Um, you know, what are we really doing here? So, and it's also connected to me to some stuff that gets said towards the very end of TMI, where, you know, he kind of vaguely suggests that maybe these other subminds are all kind of equally as conscious as we are. We just don't have access to that consciousness. So I guess I just kind of wanted to talk about it. I didn't have a super specific question, but um, it seems like a topic that's coming up for me a lot in my thinking and my noticing. So. I'd be happy to share some theories with you. That'd be, gr that'd be great for me. I mean, I would like that. Please, yeah, please don't take any of this as authoritative or... or I, I, will, I won't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so one thing uh, to think about, the, you could think about this in terms of, of uh, operant conditioning, right? So, so, so as you grow, like you, you start out as a baby and you don't have a whole lot of conditioning. You have some drives, but you don't have a lot of conditioning. And as you grow, you develop more and more conditioning. So when you go through the toddler phase, and, and, and there, are, there are distinct phases that, that you go through in your development as a child and, and as, even as a teenager and as a young adult. Um, see you later, Sam. Um, so as you go through these phases, you develop uh, conditioned responses to various triggers. And, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, so when I speak about your inner toddler, what I'm really talking about is just that set of conditioned responses that you, uh, that you develop that are toddler-like, any of which you probably developed when you were a toddler. Um, but, you know, they could have developed at some other time too, but they basically have that characteristic of just being like very energetic and impatient and like, I want it now and, you know, um, and you know, why is this bad thing happening and, and stuff like that. Bless you. And uh, <laughs> I was wondering what the, what the gesture was. <laughs> but anyway, so, so it's not really that, that there's like one inner toddler that's like, that's like this little person in there that's like actually shaped like a toddler. It's just, that, it's just that you have all of this conditioning that you developed when you were a toddler or even later or possibly earlier, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really saying when it yeah. developed, but you yeah, have all right, this conditioning right. that kind of falls into the category of this is toddler-like conditioning. And then you have other conditioning that falls into different categories. Like you might have, you know, some, 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 some conditioning that you could very clearly refer to as teenage angst conditioning, right? Or young adult insecurity, you know, don't know what I'm doing in the world conditioning or social modeling conditioning, you know, social anxiety around this or that. And, and all of those are, that's, to me, that's what, and, and, and by the way, these are all at different levels of complexity. Some of your conditioning is very, very simple. And some of your conditioning is quite complicated. And, yes. Right. And so, uh, and, and so when you think about the subminds model, and I'm not saying that this is what Chula Dasa is saying, I think you probably find my theory interesting and, 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 and <laughs> but not necessarily correct. Um, but, but, uh, but when I think about the subminds model, I think about it in terms of conditioning. So you've got like, uh, you know, uh, if you have a big complex of con conditioning, that's a big submind. 
And then that big complex of conditioning is actually made up of little bits of conditioning underneath it. And those all, when, when, when those are triggered in a certain way, they form a pattern which then triggers the bigger piece of conditioning. And there may be another layer of conditioning on top of that that sometimes gets triggered. And somewhere at the top of this, you might have an experience in conscious awareness because of all of this stuff firing off. And so, so it's in that sense that I tend to think of the sublines. Um, and and what's, what's helpful for me about this in terms of what you were saying is that because it's a little bit vague, you, it doesn't reify it quite as much. Like, like yes, there's an inner toddler, but it's not a particular thing. It's, it's just like a collection of stuff. Um, yeah. And, you know, and then when you look at me, when you look at what you experience as me, well, that's just a collection of stuff too. Like, like yeah. don't think of that as like one thing because it's not, because it's always changing. It's always shifting. It's all, you yeah. know, there's, it's like I, uh, uh, Tucker had this wonderful metaphor that he used. He was talking about, you know, no self and, you know, what it really means. Uh, and he said, you know, it's like, imagine that you're a bus and, you know, there's a driver's seat in the bus and there's always somebody driving the bus, right? And, and you think of the, the, the somebody who's driving the bus as me, but really it's not like that. Like really there's different people driving the bus at different times and you, you might shift drivers like, you know, 15 times in, a, in an hour or more. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a sense in which it feels like whatever is sitting in the seat is me, but that can't be so because there's always someone different sitting in the seat. Or you can have a sense that the seat is me, but that's not so either because the seat doesn't really have any content. It's just a seat. Yeah. So, uh, so like, but it doesn't mean that there isn't a feeling and experience of being a self. And it doesn't mean that there isn't, that there aren't things that, that, that are me. It just means that like this idea that it's all like, you know, this one coherent thing that's always the same and always functions the same way and is dependable and reliable and, and only has one opinion about any given thing. That's not the case. You might have 15 different opinions about the same thing and which one actually winds up affecting your behavior depends on, which conditioning is in the driver's seat, basically. Absolutely. So. Yeah, a lot of lots to think about there. Um, yeah. But it's interesting that we also would like. I've also been reading this really interesting uh, psychology book, which means a little bit related, called self. I think I think it's called self therapy, but it's about like finding the subparts in yourself and bringing them up and like addressing them with love. And I read another Buddhist book on kind of a similar theme called Feeding Your Demons. And, you know, we also mentioned, uh, you know, sending love to the inner toddler inside. And it's a lot easier to imagine sending love to a person than to a bundle of conditioning. Like, I guess the next steps are like, you know, would I send love to a stubbed toe or would I send love to a traffic jam? And maybe I would send love to all those things. I mean, why not? But um, for, me, yeah. it's easier, for me, it's easier to send meta to it if I think of it as like another person who I'm sending love to or a person. Not another person. You need to work on on your your pareidolia. That's all I can say. Do you know what pareidolia is? Uh, I've read the word before. I have it bookmarked, but I, it's not one of the ones I can quite remember because like, I can use it with. Basically, using like you have this like function in yeah. your in your mind of of being able to identify something as a person. Yes. And uh, so pareidolia is all about like noticing all of the little things that yes. you can identify as a person out in the world, like that camera 
it's like this guy with a single uh, my 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 uh, the camera that, that you're seeing me through. It's like this guy with a single eye and these two little like microphone flaps on either side, and it, it looks sort of. I, I can definitely like yeah. <laughs> reify that as a person, and I could totally send love to that. And it's just a camera, like it's not. You know, I, sure. I could say that's not a person, but you know, like you can do that to your toe too. I mean, there's this wonderful poem that that. Um, that Thich Nhat Hanh wrote after after 9/11, talking about uh, uh, you know, see you later, Shalt. Um, that uh, Thich Nhat Hanh wrote uh, after 9/11, talking basically just talking about all of the things that were destroyed as if they were people. And, I just found it. Yeah. Yeah. Rest it's a beautiful in peace. Poem. I recommend it. You should just work 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 on work on seeing everything in the world as alive, and 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 then you can send love to it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll work on that. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I say that I say that somewhat, somewhat in jest, but it's actually a wonderful practice. Because you know, why are we so, like, why can't we love a rock? It's a good question. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at an hour and a half. Does anybody want to bring anything up before we close? Nick, you look sort of like you have something you want to say. No? Okay. All right. Well, it's been great seeing you all. Um, uh, I will, uh, Rodrigo, I will try to get the recording up so that you can uh, listen to whatever it was you missed. Uh, sorry, I've been lax about that, but uh, I'll do my best. Uh, going through a lazy phase right now. Sorry. So, see you guys later. Yeah. Bye. Bye.